Welcome to uh, Yotes Alive here. This is uh, one of our last for this semester, and we'll be back in the fall uh, with more stories of faith and call and uh, getting to meet some of the different people connected to Campus Wesleyan and Campus Ministry and just how God is using them. Today we've got uh, Professor John Birchall, who's going to be joining us today and uh, talking to us about his faith and call and, and how he got to Kansas Wesleyan. And then also uh, he's going to share a little bit about spiritual first aid and some just other topics. And so I want to welcome uh, uh, John to our podcast today. And so uh, tell us a little bit about um, just your background. Well, uh, I'm one of the faculty that actually graduated here back in 1980. Uh, after my graduation, I worked in the uh, criminal justice field for about 16 years. I, uh, uh, the last job I had, I was directing community corrections for the 12th and 28th judicial districts, which was from Salina to Nebraska, pretty wow. much. And uh, I also uh, uh, did some policy stuff for several governors. I was on the original Kansas Sentencing Commission. Um, then I uh, transitioned uh, uh, eventually to uh, juvenile justice uh, policy issues. So uh, for several governors, I was doing um, some uh, policy stuff. Um, always volunteered whenever I was working. So um, I used to be an EMT, a volunteer EMT. Uh, uh, drug and alcoholism counselor. I designed and, and helped run an outpatient treatment program. Uh, uh, a variety of things other than just uh, criminal justice. So. Yeah. Well, excellent. Excellent. So um, one of the things we're really excited here on the Yotes Alive podcast is hearing people's stories and call and, and how they've integrated that into their lives and, and what they do with, the, with their careers or beyond their, their careers. And so tell us a little bit about your call and how you got to where you are right now and where, how God's led you through that. Uh, I should start that uh, I'm a lifelong uh, Methodist. So uh, uh, through baptism and, and profession of faith, uh, uh, both of my parents uh, were uh, strongly tied to the United Methodist Church. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I grew up in that culture. I'm the oldest of three children. I have a brother that's um, just over uh, a year uh, younger than I am and a uh, sister who's the youngest. My brother, when I was in college here at Westland, I got a call from my parents. And uh, since we're in a pandemic uh, stage right now, this was during the swine flu uh, and the uh, summer before we went to college, uh, my brother and I got our uh, flu shots. My, uh, I was going to Wesley, my brother was going to another United Methodist College, DePauw, with a W, that is, yeah. in Greencastle, Indiana. While I was there, he got sick, and um, within um, just under 48 hours, he went from not feeling well to being paralyzed from the chest down with something called Guillain-Barre syndrome, which they found was a uh, side effect of uh, the swine flu uh, shots and the, and the wow. swine flu itself. And, and my parents were concerned about my brother's survival and of course my safety as well, because we were both standing in, 
in the same line. Um, it, it was a long recovery for my brother. Uh, it wasn't easy. Um, uh, he, he did recover, but he had to learn to walk again. I mean, it was a long uh, time. He was in no pain, uh, but he was just laying in a hospital, not able to move. So this is before uh, you know, Alexa, where you could, you know, talk right. to some sort of electronic thing and, and hear stuff. Um, during that time, uh, he felt a calling to go into the ministry. And after he graduated college, he went to seminary at Duke and uh, is still a United Methodist uh, minister in Indiana. Um, so Methodism it, and and the call is strong in in our family. Um, we uh, I, I grew up uh, participating uh, a lot in Salvation Army activities, okay. and uh, we had uh, a close uh, family friend that was in the uh, with the Salvation Army calls the territorial headquarters in uh, Chicago. So uh, between my uh, brother who uh, decided to be a minister. And our friend from uh, the Salvation Army, uh, I would occasionally get calls uh, threatening if I didn't get uh, actively involved in the church. Uh, while even as a student, uh, they were going to turn me into the Methodist Church Police. There isn't any, but uh, <laughs> no. just just for those that might be wondering. Yeah. Um, and so even as a student, I I started getting involved uh, in church and then some volunteer work through the uh, Salvation Army. Uh, that continued. Uh, after graduation, uh, I was in western Kansas for a little bit, and then I moved back to uh, Salina. The, um, uh, and it continued uh, uh, for a while. And then um, my calling and, and my faith issues is, um, geez, it's been a, a, a number of uh, 25 years ago. Um, my son was just a toddler. Um, my, uh, I have a daughter and a son. The son's the youngest. My daughter uh, was born with a heart murmur and six months later was gone. And so was my son. Um, we went to visit my wife's uh, sister uh, uh, out of town and uh, my son got a uh, ear infection. For, so for those that are parents out there, at least at that time, uh, you just got used to ear infections and moxicillin. So oh, yeah. uh, uh, since my sister's, uh, uh, since her my wife's sister was a nurse, she got us in to see her doctor instead of going to somewhere else just to get a prescription for moxicillin. Okay. So we didn't have to go through that. But when he was checking my son over, um, he said, what was the diagnosis on his heart? And he said, nothing, a heart murmur. He goes, no, it's, it's not a murmur. It's something more serious, and he had done a, 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 a rotation in, in cardiology, and so told us as soon as we got back, we had to get that checked out. We did. It was a very serious heart condition, and at that time, the um, had they had to operate. Um, at, at that at that time, the survival rate was about forty percent. Oh wow. Um, so all of a sudden, the, uh, the job and the career I had, which I was treated very well by the by the state, mm -hmm. and um, uh, it wasn't as important anymore as as family. So um, my uh, wife and I, uh, 
honestly spent a, uh, after that diagnosis, a heart-wrenching uh, weekend of prayer and decided that I needed to get a job that had more decent hours, Yeah, uh, regardless of what the pay was. Right. So Monday morning, I went into my main office and uh, called up the Secretary of Corrections, uh, informed him of what was going on and that, you know, I'm looking for something and if something opened up in the Topeka office, let me know, but that uh, I would be looking. I, I mean, I, I felt some uh, sense of loyalty uh, to, to let him know right off. And, 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 uh, and I worked with the Secretary of Corrections on, on several issues and, and he was very supportive. Uh, but then my secretary came in and told me I had a call and she was worried because uh, she could read me pretty well and she thought I was sick. Um, and, uh, and she thought I was sick and she was really worried because she said, there's a doctor on the phone for you. Uh, and it was Dr. Olson and, and I had informed her it was a PhD, not a, not a medical one. Okay. And I'd fill her, I mean, this was, you know, it, this happened pretty quick in the morning and, and Dr. Olson, uh, from Kansas Wesleyan called me and he wanted me to help serve on a committee to find a criminal justice professor at Kansas Wesleyan. Interesting. Yes. And so I told him, done. And he, and he said, well, the committee, and I said, no, let's do, you know, search is done. You know, you know, I'll take it. Yeah. You know, and, it was, <laughs> um, and, and it was one of the most interesting, probably, uh, uh, in the history of Wesleyan uh, job interviews. Uh, I, I was in the press a lot, and, and so they all knew me, and, and, and they were a little confused as to why I would want right. to even consider the uh, job. Uh, but they understood after I explained the, the, the situations to them. So I, I could say that I came here uh, because of faith. And throughout my life, um, I'm the type of person that when we talk about calling, um, I guess I would use the term uh, mindfulness. If you're into mindfulness, I think you could uh, recognize the presence of God. I've never heard a loud voice. Right. Uh, uh, no burning bushes, no uh, thundering voice. Uh, uh, probably at the most, it's been nudges and uh, whispers. Yeah. Um, so, so that's uh, what happened. And, and you could say it's coincidence. You could uh, people could uh, list a, a quite a few things to it. So I came to Westland, um, got things uh, squared away, figured out what I was doing. Um, my second year at Wesleyan in the fall semester, uh, during middle of final exam weeks, uh, I was called by my father, my mother who had been battling uh, cancer on and off for several different types of cancers for years. My father called and said she was in the hospital. The doctor said she wasn't gonna leave the hospital and it would probably be spring at least, uh, uh, you know, be before we'd see her passing, but really felt it was important that if I could sneak away for a, a visit with her in the hospital, right. he'd really appreciate that. So uh, as I finished my last uh, final exam and got it graded, I drove down to Wichita, got on a plane, went to Chicago um, for, for uh, uh, just for a couple days. Um, the last day I was there, uh, my mother's health, uh, went down quickly and uh, 
the doctors met and said, with my father and, and my sister and I, my brother was working in Indiana, but he said, uh, stay in the hospital. Uh, it's going to happen in the next 24 hours. Okay. Um, the DNR stuff was, she wasn't conscious. The pain had gotten uh, too bad. She wasn't conscious. And uh, one of the nurses who was just coming off a shift, uh, my mother was a school teacher uh, and had taught this nurse. And so she came over to us and was also a member of my uh, parents' church. And she said, as, as a former student, but more importantly, as a member of uh, my parents' church and attended a Sunday school that my parents helped teach, that she was going to stay on uh, and, and just be the nurse for my mother uh, until the end. And uh, I don't know how many people have uh, been through uh, uh, these sort of death vigils, but um, she would go into convulsions, um, have other issues. Uh, she would lose bodily control. Mm -hmm. And what they would do is have us leave the room. They would clean her up. We'd come back in. Um, th this had happened a number of times, about three in the morning it happened. And uh, while we're out in the hallway, we set my father on a chair. My sister was leaning against the wall and I was next to the door, you know, with uh, just leaning against the wall, waiting for the nurse to tell us we can come back in. And uh, during that event, my uh, sister's head jerked off the wall and she started crying and said, mom's dead. I uh, opened the door to the room because I, and the nurse was putting the sheet over my mother's uh, head, and uh, so and she had died. And uh, we then spent the rest of the evening, uh, morning, consoling my father. But as uh, we started planning what to do, um, it we finally I you know asked the question, uh, how, how did you know mom was dead? And my sister, who had quit going to church, said, I could hear her. I mean, I could hear her voice as clear as, as day, saying, don't worry, everything's okay, the pain's gone, I'm fine, it's all true, don't worry. Hmm. Um, now you could say sleep deprivation again. Right. Uh, I don't think so. It was the message my sister needed to hear. By repeating it to my father, it, it, it offered him... Uh, great comfort. Um, her funeral, uh, during her funeral, um, the doctor, the attending doctor, who was not Christian, uh, attended my mother's church and, and, and came up during the reception and said that this was the first time he had set foot in a Christian church. Uh, and uh, But he wanted uh, uh, me to know that, uh, and our family to know that it was her faith uh, and her strong belief in the afterlife that, that uh, said that he was going to attend her funeral. Wow. Uh, and later on became a member of that church. Uh, so I've seen an experience through my life through crisis, and through celebrations, um, I've seen and felt the presence of God. I've, I've done it um, handling, handing somebody a bottle of water after a tornado. I felt the presence of God performing CPR on a traffic accident victim. Um, 
it, it, it's, you know, I, I felt the uh, uh, presence of God. Um, after, after that whole event and I returned back to campus, um, that next semester, the, uh, um, I got in my mailbox a flyer about being a, uh, at that time called the lay speaker in the United Methodist Church. Yeah. And I, and I just said that, you know, has to be another message. Right. So I, I did, went through all that training, the basic and advanced, and, and did a lot of preaching, a lot of filling in for uh, ministers who were uh, uh, sick or on vacation or, uh, uh, or, or the dreaded uh, two Sundays that uh, lay speakers used to get called a lot, Trinity Sunday, because nobody likes to preach on the Trinity. It's one of the toughest uh, things to, to preach about. And the Sunday after Easter is uh, yeah. always the... Uh, Those low attendance yeah, Sundays, like yeah, the Sunday the, after Christmas. The yeah, same, very, yeah, yep, yep. Or for the Methodist, uh, um, you know, just before, while everyone's moving, there's always a... a Another Sunday that's also a fairly common. Um, so I did that uh, a lot, um, and uh, quite a lot. Uh, but there's, a, um, I still didn't feel that that was necessarily. You know, I didn't feel called to ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I, I joked with people that there's a there's a many different iterations of the painting of uh, Jesus outside a door knocking. And, and I, I would tell people if, if he was knocking on, on my door to tell me to go to the ministry, I would have to turn off the lights and hide because uh, I, I thought and, and, and felt that uh, one in the family was good enough, but I, I firmly believe that um, there's so many other ways right. uh, to be in ministry and just didn't feel... Um, you know, that that was uh, uh, the tug. Uh, Working with the Salvation Army, I responded to several disasters and uh, found that repeatedly people, you'd pull up and the Salvation Army, yes, it's a church, but I I need to say that all the social service functions they provide, uh, they just provide it regardless of anybody's faith, uh, uh, economic status, nothing. I mean, there's no... Uh, and we're not even supposed to try to right. uh, th- to deal with those issues. It's just to provide those services. But the first two uh, tornado, big tornadoes in this area that I responded to for the Salvation Army, as I pulled up in their canteen with the express purpose to feed people and, and start handing out bottled water, and, and both of those cases, the people stopped and said, "Well, won't you pray for us?" Hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's when I realized that um, th- there's a big demand for faith, particularly in and around disasters and crisis. And uh, I didn't have a problem doing that. The, the people that were at the canteen with me, on both, there were different people both times, uh, for the first two times, felt uncomfortable with that. But um, I didn't. And I think I was uh, well-trained being a lay uh, speaker. They're now lay leaders uh, in the United Methodist Church. Um, so again, I felt that, uh, that this is maybe an area that I need to, uh, to follow through with. And, and that nudge, that soft whisper, was telling me to go that direction. So, um, and that's what I've been pursuing for uh, several years now. So. 
I say it's amazing how um, you talked about, you know, particular those nudges and, yeah. and those pushes and 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 then you know I think I talk about talk to students a lot of times about how somebody may say that right thing that it has to come from God, but he does it through other people's voices. And and it's at the right time and it's the right thing and there's no good explanation of why they should know be able to, to have that timing. Um, but it's up for God. And then God, yeah, he always provides for us a way to, you know, he takes our gifts and our talents. And this is something that, you know, we are working at, trying to pursue here more at Wesleyan. It's helping people find their call. It doesn't always mean that in a professional ministry setting. It's going to be using your yeah. passions and your interests and just to be available. And I think that through all your story, that's why that's what I keep hearing over and over. It's just saying, okay, I'm available. This is what I bring, God, and, and use it. And and I see that, I think, a lot in your faith and your story there. That is really incredible. Yeah, and it keeps coming together. I uh, uh, had a friend that, that mentioned he was uh, offering, I think it was through the library, a class on juggling. <laughs> and I said, I, I didn't know you even juggle. Oh, yeah, that, you know, it's a... And I said, all right, I'm, I'll sign up for the class. And uh, it, it was really interesting is I had... The, the, that weekend, I just did a lay speaking class. Then the, the Monday night, I attend the uh, juggling class. And the first thing he started with, and he gave us all these little balls, and he said, we're going to try juggling these. But at first, I want you to get comfortable dropping them because your jugglers are always going to drop the ball. You're always going to drop. You're always going to make mistakes. You're always, you're, that's always going to happen. And, and they were talking about a lot about saints, but then as soon as he said that, I stopped, and he thought I was uh, too young to have a senior moment. He asked if I was okay, but what was rolling through my mind was, I got the first part of being a Christian down pat. Uh, I'm a sinner. Right. I mean, I've, I've made the, and, and um, so the example I try to give people on, on, on my faith, which doesn't resonate with uh, uh, college kids today, but when I was in college, if you ever locked your keys in the car, you would get a wire coat hanger and you would uh, unravel it and then you put it through the, uh, uh, behind the window and, and the doors had a little knob that you could hook and pull it up and you'd unlock the, the car doors. And if you're a cheap uh, college student, you only had a limited number of coat hangers anyways. They were wired and you usually got them from dry cleaning and most college students didn't get stuff dry cleaned. Right. So uh, you would try to put that coat hanger back. It never quite got to the same shape. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and I think when I, when I was doing that as well, I, 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 you think about John Wesley's uh, explanation, uh, you know, about perfection mm -hmm. and, and original sin. And, and that perfection is that coat hanger that you get from the dry cleaners. Yeah. And, and, and then I think... We've all had to unwrap that coat hanger, right. sometimes several times. We, you know, we'll lock our keys uh, in the car several times, um, and and throughout my my life, my adult life, I've been always uh, and I still do struggle to get that uh, coat hanger uh, back to uh, as close as possible, knowing it's never going to happen. Right. I'm not going to hit that 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 perfect coat hanger again. Uh, perfection's going to always elude me, but. Uh, it doesn't mean I shouldn't continue to strive for it. And uh, so, yeah, and every once in a while that it comes unhooked. I mean, and I, I have to go back to uh, 
to uh, trying to put it together again. So I don't, as people look at ministry, uh, one of my other concerns is a lot of them look at their lives and say, I'm, just, it's, I'm too messed up to have this. And I don't, I, I want to make, I'm telling this to make sure people understand <laughs> that, that that's not, uh, that, that's not a, uh, uh, detriment that's that's right. called normal i mean that's if people waited to be to be everything yes. just to be right we we wouldn't have any well any yeah well and, and you, know, you probably look at uh, uh, at probably at least in the new testament the, the other than jesus the, the the big man is paul right and and if you look at paul's background uh jail uh, he did time in jail he had medical conditions uh, he had a criminal record. He would not get hired by a church today, no. probably. But, uh, you know, uh, but uh, if the if somebody like that can can become one of the early church's biggest and most profound leaders, uh, I think anyone can. And I and that's the the point I'm trying to make is don't um, yeah don't hide when you hear that or feel the nudge because. You feel like you're not worthy. Um, I think that's the neat thing about Methodism and grace. It, 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 that grace means we're all worthy. I oh, mean, yeah. I heard a, a, a bishop many uh, several years ago um, say he, he put it this way: He goes, "God doesn't call the qualified; He qualifies the call." There you go. You know, and yeah. I think that's a great a great way to put it. So, um, so you you you've been teaching here at Westland. And, and and the criminal justice and what all what all what all I say I know you've taught a lot of classes over the year. What sort of your been your main focus and what brings you joy in and getting to work and teach students and, and this work? Um, besides being an alumni, I, Kansas West I need to start as a is a is a teaching college, um, and uh, we're not a publisher parish institution um, and I'm also one of the uh, faculty that does not have a PhD I have two master's degree uh, my first one was in rehab counseling okay. uh, rehabilitation counseling with an emphasis in chemical dependency and offenders and my second one is uh, I have a second master's in criminal justice so I've uh, I've taught things like foundations of addictions okay. uh, statistics um, you know, uh, sociology, methods of research, um, all the way to responding to hate crimes. I mean, it's uh, the, the whole gambit within uh, criminal justice. Um, I was the one that drafted the proposal uh, at, for our emergency management degree. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm qualified to teach about four courses within, within that as well, including... Uh, as you mentioned earlier, the uh, uh, one course that's a liberal studies right now, but it's uh, a spiritual care in disaster settings uh, as a, a course. But um, so I, I have that uh, uh, throughout. Uh, and I yeah, what really feeds me every year um, is different every year. Right. Uh, quite honestly, the, the, the students' learning styles change. Um, the environment changes. Um, so, uh, so what does that mean? Well, I'm just I came off a sabbatical in the fall, where I had to uh, leave, and I mentioned this. Uh, 
I'm, you know, I'm closer to retirement. Uh, you know, I, to, to be totally honest, you know, three more school years or so, and, and I'll be retiring. But the nature of criminal justice has changed so much and involved cyber crime, cyber issues. And um, I don't feel comfortable teaching something I can't do. I don't, right. I, I would consider myself to be like a fraud. Uh, criminal justice in my mind is a lot like the nursing program where you want uh, nurses that are instructors, right. that have done what they're, what they're teaching. So I took a semester off to study that and uh, cyber crimes across the United States working at and training at different law enforcement agencies so I can come back understanding what yeah. I'm doing and say that I'm talking about this is what works, this is what doesn't work. Um, be so very authentic. Be, yes, it, it, exactly. Um, so I, I've done, I did that. Um, but I, this is the second time I've been on the sabbatical. The first one I did, uh, I was asked, it was suggested that I take a sabbatical and pursue some academic uh, uh, endeavors. So I did, uh, did take some time off, uh, ended up writing a book uh, on a sort of criminal justice history. It's a history of horse thieves oh, and, and the different societies that pursued them. Uh, but when I took that sabbatical, because I, Kansas Wesleyan is a faith-based institution, and we could say that without embarrassment, I, I spent one month on church stuff. Uh, so I uh, said that I'm going to do nothing but focus on my personal faith, and part of our mission statement is how would you integrate faith in the learning? And so by doing nothing for that one month about that, Accept uh, that, and I don't mean to say that I just sat in a, in a corner, uh, but you know, uh, I might be going for a walk or doing something else, and, and, and different things would uh, come in my mind and uh, explored a, a different uh, uh, ideas. I went to the annual conference not as a delegate, but to wander all the booths mm, okay. to try to find some inspiration uh, within there. Uh, and so I came out of, uh, of that uh, month where I, I did a couple things is I, uh, um, I, I developed a uh, United Methodist Values uh, Inventory. So most of the, I found most denominations um, in their colleges, um, uh, Lutheran and the different uh, uh, forms of Lutheran, uh, as well as Catholicism, like the Marianist or the, you right. know, uh, Vincenzen, uh, you know, all the different uh, uh, forms of that, they all had a values inventory to let students know that we're not necessarily going to try to make you Catholic or Lutheran, but we want you to understand the values and how you could, right. and how they could apply to anyone. Okay. Um, and I thought, well, those are kind of neat. Where's the Methodist one? And there wasn't. Hmm. Um, so I created that. So I, that was one of the things I did. And then I... Um, also looked at, and that was certainly integrating faith and learning. And then I also was thinking, if I, if we were to do a class to also ex expound on this big uh, more, uh, what would that look like? And I drafted a, a course that, and both of these were reported when I came back um, to the campus, and uh, uh, quite honestly, with some glassy-eyed stares. And uh, <laughs> but uh, several years later. I was approached by uh, uh, the academic dean and said, didn't you do this course? Could, could you 
right. find that, you know, blow the dust off of that. And, and uh, so if you're looking, if the listeners are, uh, include students and you're looking at who to blame for the Wesleyan heritage, uh, that, that's what it, it ended up morphing into the, uh, the Wesleyan heritage course. So that was what I did in, in the, the, the first sabbatical. I, I did the same thing this one. Okay. And um, quite honestly, I uh, looked at and spent some time specifically on police chaplaincy uh, uh, programs and delved uh, deeply uh, into those concepts so I could start integrating uh, some of that into the coursework, uh, as well as some disaster, uh, more disaster stuff. And when I found it with disasters, one of the um, fascinating things was uh, that the ministers that responded um, to Ground Zero at, at September 11th, um, the rescue workers, whenever they would find, and they never found a complete body, they found pieces usually of a body, they would all stop and, and resist. Um, they just felt like they needed a prayer. And all the ministers that were present um, involving a, a variety of different faiths came up with a... Uh, a truly uh, non-denominational prayer ab about blessing um, the the body that was recovered or the part of the body, blessing the people that found it, um, and, and regardless of, of the person's faith. And, and I thought that was really neat. And then I read, though, that a lot of the, the problems people had responding to disasters was they just didn't know what prayers to do, how to do prayers, and so I, I have a, a, a prayer app for, just for disasters that I created. Okay. Um, from hurricanes, tornadoes, pandemics, you name it, it, you know, it's there. And then I thought I should also develop a, a standard one for Kansas Wesleyan. Now, I, I have it set up so it opens up as a, as a cheater's app right now. I, but because I'm also, the Wesleyan apps, the majority of those are for... Um, prayers I found from a variety of sources, I have to get permission from all these people before I could publish it as a true right. open source phone app. So I'm still trying <laughs> to, to accomplish that. And actually, uh, that, that's the holdup is just getting responses yeah. uh, back from the people that would uh, allow that to happen. But um, uh, there's a sort of backdoor system I have set up already where it, it could be used if you have a PowerPoint app on your smartphone. Uh, just like that, but um, but hopefully it'll be a, a, a regular phone app before uh, too long. I just have to, uh, one of the publishers close, and I have to find, you know, I mean, there's oh, several things. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it's a little more cumbersome than I thought um, before I could uh, put it all together as a phone app. But, uh, so I, the point is that I didn't stop, and, and it, it's done. Um, as a tenured faculty member, um, uh, you have to do a peer review and a portfolio. Part of that, uh, it, I included a statement of faith and I included a whole section on faith, uh, which the uh, peer review people thought was a little strange. Uh, they just hadn't seen that before. But, uh, but again, I think it's important. And I, and I think if, you, if I had to try to describe myself to other people, my faith has to be part of that description. And, and so, I, so I included that. So, um, and, and, and saying so, I guess that's why I'm still at Westland um, as well, is it, is it gets uh, 
you know, the, the sinner and the saint of me get, you know, right. uh, uh, finds uh, solace and, and feeding. Um, and I've mentioned this story before, but my brother, the, the minister, um, has been assigned to a lot of churches with the intent to, to grow the churches, uh, some that are, are having problems. And uh, uh, he says it's a difficult process because um, most of the churches he's done that with, or all the churches he's done that with, there's actually been a dip in, in the membership before it mm -hmm. starts growing again. Um, and he says that a lot of times people become complacent in their faith. Yeah, very true, very true. And uh, one church, people would kept coming to him telling him they just didn't feel like they were being fed spiritually. And, and one person said it, and he spouted off in anger. Um, uh, he later apologized, but he turned it into much more. As he said, if you're not being fed spiritually, then take your bib off and put on an apron. If you want to get fed, don't wait for somebody to stick that spoon in your mouth. He said, you have to serve other people. Um, he turned that around, and ever since then, uh, when people, whatever church he's serving, whenever a new person joins, they get an embroidered apron oh, very from neat. him. Uh, let him know that, uh, you know, as his understanding of faith is that um, if we're to grow spiritually, we do, we do so in the large part by helping and serving others. And that's how you get fed. And, and, I, and that, that's worked uh, for me. So um, there's been staff, faculty, and students that have come to me for, uh, for help, and I, and I think I've been able to help them. And, but every one of those instances, and I'm not gonna elaborate on any of those, but uh, I've always felt that I've come away uh, stronger in my faith. Yeah. And, uh, and those opportunities, again, through mindfulness, if, if, you, if you open your mind, really pay attention, I think there's a lot of opportunities out there to uh, serve and grow in your faith. So as a, as a student, as a faculty member, as a staff member. And that's what I like about Wesleyan. Excellent. Well, I see. I really appreciate you sharing with us. And, and what you brought up about, we just have to keep our eyes open and be yeah. mindful of where God's leading us sometimes. Yeah. And, and uh, we may not want to go there, but God has a purpose for leading us there. So um, I really want to appreciate, uh, tell you how much I appreciate you sharing with us today. And, and uh, to our students and, and everyone who's listening, uh, we just ask that God just keeps uh, watching over you and keeping you safe and blessing you. John, would you close, uh, last thoughts and close us in prayer? Oh, uh, uh, certainly. And Scott, I, I appreciate the ability to have this conversation. And, and, and one more time, these are conversations that people should not be embarrassed to no, have. And, that, and that's what's great about Wesleyan is it, it, it should be a safe place. I, I hope everybody recognizes that as to have that. So let us, uh, for, for all people, I think I'll close with a traditional uh, United Methodist uh, a blessing. Serve your God with patience and passion. Be deliberate in enacting your faith. Be steadfast in celebrating the Spirit's power. And may peace, may peace always be your way in the world. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you very much. That was excellent. Thank you, John. No thank problem. You for sharing that.